0: So we're talking really basic stuff. I have had family members who had to go around from bank to bank asking if there were any accounts there because they didn't know where the bank accounts were. You are looking at making somebody's life potentially really, really hard. After a certain while, usually the unclaimed property for each state will catch something, but that's like two years, that's not like tomorrow. So you can make somebody spend a lot of time and potentially a lot of money to get into things that they didn't need to. Um, and you can leave them at literal zero where they don't know where the money is, they don't know what the bills are, and you run the risk of late fees, of repossession or closure of a house, for example, if they don't at least know who they're talking to. Welcome to the Will in the Way podcast. A podcast about making a state planning simple and accessible with fun stories, delightful soapbox rants, and more educational resources than you can imagine each week we deliver the best insights and practical advice on wills, trusts, and how to protect what 's important to you now here 's your host, attorney Alexandra Jackson. to A Will and Away. I am Alexandra Jackson. I'm an estate planning attorney in Maine. I'm also licensed in New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. But for the purpose of this podcast, I will be speaking predominantly from a Maine perspective.
1: What are some of the things that a new client must know first?
0: So the biggest thing that I always tell people is it is really important to have a document that lists all of your day-to-day information if somebody has to step into your shoes in an emergency. That could mean you're dead, but more likely, it means you're in an accident, you're in the hospital, and your financial power of attorney has to step in and start doing things for you. That's a lot easier if they know things like, do you have a mortgage payment or a rent payment? When is it due? How do you send it? Um, Basically anything somebody would need to know to run your day-to-day life. So utilities, car, house, that sort of stuff is the most important information. There's other information, of course, that would be great to give them. You know, they do need to know where your bank accounts are, if they're going to be writing checks for you or making other payments who are your credit card companies. All of those sorts of things that you do and don't even think about is the sort of stuff that you need to put organized somewhere for the people who love you and are going to take care of you. The other thing to think about is digital assets. So I say that, that sounds like it's something fancy that you own, it's not, that's like your email. But if you have online accounts, you know, I don't get any paper bills. If I drop dead tomorrow or I'm in a car crash, nobody is gonna see a paper bill. They're gonna have to go into my email. I'm gonna get emails. So the email accounts and the online accounts associated with any of those ordinary day-to-day expenses and payments. Do you have auto pay on, for example? Is it gonna go on a specific credit card? Any of that information that you can collect is great. Ideally, you're super organized and you have everything. You know, you've got a list of everything you own and it's all organized in some sort of spreadsheet and it's beautiful. Real life happens and most people I know are not that organized. Although I see occasionally some, which is really lovely. Anyway, uh, but it is important to at least get together the necessities. And when you're thinking about online accounts, also think about, like I said, email. But also, what email are the accounts attached to? If somebody has to do a password reset or a verification code, they need to have the attached email. That may also include your phone login information. I know a lot of people get text for the two-step identification verification stuff that a lot of companies are doing. Um, so it's important to think about, okay, what do I need? Um, and a lot of folks use the uh, fingerprint or face recognition stuff. You need to have it also a passcode if somebody else wants to get into that, unless you want them to bring it into the hospital and stick it on your hand. I don't recommend that. Not a good time. So those are the sorts of things that you ordinarily need to think about. The other thing to consider is that this is not a set it and forget it sort of thing. You need to check on it, basically, I'd say maybe once a week, ideally. Realistically, you're going to get to it more like once a month. But if you just kind of keep looking, oh, did I change that password? Oh, do I not have that account anymore? Oh, that's paid off, maybe, you know, no more car payments. Just enough that you can keep it current for somebody without stressing yourself out because you've already got a lot of other things going on.
1: What are some of the pitfalls of disorganization? So
0: the biggest one I've heard of is a colleague of mine had a client who the gentleman died and the wife didn't know anything to the point where she couldn't get into the computer that had all of the information because she didn't know the login information for the computer. So we're talking really basic stuff. I have had family members who had to go around from bank to bank asking if there were any accounts there because they didn't know where the bank accounts were. You are looking at making somebody's life potentially really, really hard. After, For a certain while usually the unclaimed property for each state will catch something but that's like two years that's not like tomorrow so you can make somebody spend a lot of time and potentially a lot of money to get into things that they didn't need to Um, and you can leave them at literal zero where they don't know where the money is they don't know what the bills are and you run the risk of late fees of repossession foreclosure of a house for example if they don't at least know who they're talking to.
1: What is your recommendation as far as organization hygiene?
0: I think every week is generally ideal. I think every month is certainly sufficient for most people, unless you change your passwords a lot more often than I do, which if you do, that's really secure, so good for you. But uh, definitely be updating it more often if you are a person who changes things about your life more often. But for the most part, you know, our bank account information, our utility providers just don't change that often. But once a month will at least remind you to keep looking at it. If you're looking at it once a year, that's probably not often enough.
1: What is your recommendation as far as organizing physical documents?
0: I generally recommend for storage of estate planning documents, some sort of, not technically fireproof, as some of my colleagues will remind me, but fire retardant, secure, safe deposit box like in your house. normally recommend that people put their list of passwords and financials in with those documents so with your will your power of attorney and that sort of thing for everything else if you have like a fireproof cabinet filing cabinet i would probably put things in there i generally do pretty broad categories for my own stuff which is like finances or 401k or health documents government ids you know something broad enough that you know what's in it but that there's not a folder for every individual document. Ideally, you want these to be chronological or otherwise organized. So if you have something that's just called finances, I'd have all of your statements for a particular thing together in some sort of chronological order. It can be oldest first, most recent first. Anything that somebody could sort through it and not feel like they want to set themselves and the papers on fire, basically,
1: is a good idea. What do you say to folks who thinks that all this is overkill,
0: I tell them they don't love their family (laughs) because I will tell you, somebody has to do this. One of the biggest things, I normally say this with when I'm talking about wills and trusts, but the biggest thing about estate planning is, are you going to do the paperwork or are you going to leave that for your family? So with a will, you're leaving it for your family. With a trust, you're generally doing it now. And that's why I recommend that people do all this organization now. I have had family members sit in my office and be extremely mad. I had a client whose sibling was also a client. He died of COVID. And I asked her, have you found his login for his overseas dough account yet? And she said, what? And I went, you should look at his phone because there are certain things that perhaps she wasn't going to think about looking for that he had mentioned offhand to me. I generally recommend that you're organized because the people who are trying to look after you will really appreciate it.
1: How can someone start towards organization,
0: Get a physical notebook and every time you use an account, you write down the login information. Or every time you pay a bill, you write down what it is and when it's due. Just when you touch that specific part of your life, grab the notebook, write it down. At the end of you know, probably three or four months, you will have most of the things you deal with on a regular basis written down. From there, you can organize it into something prettier. If you're able to, of course, you can just start by putting it on the computer to begin with. I know some people like me spend an awful lot of time on computers, so you might not have something physical. You can put a note in your phone, too. You know, in the the era of smartphones, just a simple note on your phone, you type into it every time you think of something, and then eventually you can either... Print that, port it to a computer, do whatever, email it to yourself. I don't care. There's a million ways to do this. But if you do it every time you think of something, eventually you will get the majority of what you need. It won't be perfect, but your family won't be cursing you out as they drive to different banks. So,
1: What do you think about file organization and management apps?
0: I think password managers are great. The only thing you have to think about is you have to get that information to somebody. I have found that a lot of spouses and significant others do not actually tell each other about things like passwords and accounts and finances. Which, I mean, I get. Divorce rate's like 50%, right? But it's important to remember that someday they could need that, so they should at least know where to look for... The login for information for the password manager, I just put that in the fireproof, you know, safe or whatever with the documents. A tidbit on organization. I am a huge convert, as they call them with the K, of KonMari. I have found her books to be absolutely invaluable and they have really helped me getting organized. May not work for you. I recommend
1: having a look. For beginners in their estate planning journey, what does it mean to be decisive?
0: So decisiveness... When I say that, it's not really what you're thinking. You are thinking that you've got to have everything decided before you come in to talk to somebody. What I mean by decisiveness is that you've probably got an idea of most of it. And so you should come in and put that down to paper. And if you can get just a rough first level, like, everything to my spouse and then to my kids, or, you know, I want my three garden chairs to Aunt Jean, whatever your first blush, most important goal is. You can sign the document then and do an updated version later. For wills, we have what's called a codicil that's not available for some of the other documents. Uh, But you can just do the basic stuff first, name a power of attorney, name an advanced healthcare directive agent, and then when you decide on a backup or something else, the sort of things that make people stop and go, I'm not ready. Don't worry about that. Do what you've got first. Commit it to paper. Something is better than nothing. If you do that, you can always add things, fix things. I have clients who call me every year to change their will. I don't recommend that, but I have clients who do it. And Honestly, as long as you're looking at it about every three years, you know, changing it if somebody's born or married or dies or gets divorced, you're going to be fine because you're going to update it so that you don't need the second tier. I'm building in a second tier so that if you don't come see me again, it's still going to work because ugly things happen if everybody you name in the document is dead. But you don't have to have it perfect to start with organization too. You don't have to know or have organized all of the information to start. You just have to have an idea.
1: What is a codicil and how does it work?
0: So a codicil is a fancy word that means amendment for a will. That's it. That's the whole thing. It does have to follow all the same formalities as a will. So you have to have it witnessed and notarized. Depends on where you live, what the actual requirements are. Some states like Maine also have a statutory form for a will. They don't have a statutory codicil, so you just have to do the will over. But generally speaking, a codicil is just something you tacked on to the will a PS, basically, to the will that says, and also do these things or change these things. Trusts have amendments, which I think make more sense to ordinary people. <laughs> the word codicil, which I'm pretty sure is only ever used in this context in these days.
1: Are there limitations when writing a will?
0: So I'll say this the nice way um you shouldn't say things about people that are mean you should not decide to include that sort of language if you do that they could potentially sue your estate for defamation or libel depending on what you've done and so that's a good way to lose money really fast and also to make it misery for your family and friends so i strongly recommend not deciding on that sort of language generally speaking just a, for reasons best known to them or i leave them my love and affection and nothing else goes unsaid. There's a lot of weird quirks to legal stuff. So in Maine law, you can decide to leave somebody out of your will, but saying they get nothing is by itself not enough. You have to actively give away everything else. So we've got, using the most basic example I can possibly give you, Pat and Sam. Pat and Sam have one child, Joe. Sam dies, Pat has everything, Pat's like, mm, I don't really want to give everything to Joe. Pat's will says nothing to Joe. Not good enough. Pat's will has to account for where everything is going if it's not going to Joe. So Pat can leave everything to the Animal Refuge League of Greater Portland. I'm sure they would love the money. Uh, great organization, by the way, completely separate topic. But you have to affirmatively and completely give away everything for somebody to get nothing. Saying that they're getting nothing or you're only leaving them the love and affection is to show that you understood what you were doing and you have deliberately made that choice. That is one of the things that you have to do as part of a will, is to indicate that you understand what's going on, what you've got, and who would normally get your stuff. If Pat's will just says nothing to Joe, Joe is actually gonna get everything because he is the intestate heir under Maine law. That is the other thing that you can't decide. Intestacy statutes are state by state. Intestate means having no will. An intestacy statute, dictate what happens if any part of your will fails, or if you have no will, what happens to your things. You don't get to decide who your heirs are by law. That is decided under the intestacy statute. Writing a will is the only way to make sure that the people you want to get things will get things if they are not your natural heirs. And heirs is a very limited category, keep in mind. That's generally gonna be spouse first, then child, then parents, moving out to siblings and on through about great-grandparents. But there's a division sometimes between spouse and kids based on what marriage it is, et cetera. But you don't get to pick those people. So if you want to do something, you should probably write it down, potentially depending on how the will is set up. Most wills have what's called a residue or residuary clause, meaning, and if I didn't cover something, what happens to the rest of it? And that usually picks up things like that. But if you really mess up, you could miss that, potentially.
1: What are some of the most unusual wills you have ever encountered?
0: I'd say the most unusual ones aren't normally in wills, actually. People are kind of boring about their wills. I will say that. It's normally just, you know, I'm leaving these items to specific people. People don't really get fancy in their wills anymore. Probably in part because the defamation libel suits. But that's a different story. The most interesting ones I see are actually in advanced healthcare directives. So... I had a lady recently who would like her ashes put into space to orbit, which I think is lovely. I get a lot of people who want to be put into the ocean after cremation. I get a lot of folks who want to be trees, it's very popular these days. I would like to be made into a gemstone, as far as ashes go, and made into jewelry. That's my personal take on it. I think those are probably the most interesting ones that I've seen. Thanks for joining us this week on the Will and the Way podcast. Make sure to visit our website, jacksonestateplanning.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via
1: RSS, so you'll never miss a show. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.